Okay, coming up, Marcus Brown again. Uh, never really need a, an excuse uh, to chat with him uh, again, but we ha we haven't spoken for a while, and he, he's been up to some interesting things. So I always want to know uh, what's going on. Um, so we talked about a number of different things, not least the. I guess the future of uh, a performance, which is always kind of central uh, to his work. I get a bit of grief from him for my shoddy technical uh, setup. Um, but what listeners won't be able to see is inside Marcus's kind of studio, which looks like the bloody Starship Enterprise or something. So I always like to uh, talk to Marcus because, well, A, he's a good friend, and, and B, he's just like an ideas machine, but probably one of the most creative people I know. And, you know, all the time, his work seems to be, uh, you know, it's like building up to the next thing, and then it continues to build and continues to build. So, and he plays us some interesting tunes as well. So anyway, without further ado, Marcus Brown revisited. yourself a beard a fat a fat liver yeah. <laughs> your colostarine has gone out the window and yeah. you still haven't ordered sorted your audio out no if it, press the button man press the button because this is the good stuff it's already it's already going it's already going <laughs> um so you know you know the the i don't know what it's like in australia but uh at the end of the year all the big tv stations uh do kind of like the um the, the the I don't know the English word. Um, they have a they the review of the of the past one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Review. So the, the review year. this this year's review of the year will be uh, baking bread, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> working from home, mm -hmm. time lapses, mm -hmm. this, how the how the office changed, yeah. and men around fifty with beards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I resisted. It was like. It was only second lockdown. I thought, right, I'm getting a second chance at, at this, so I'll go for it. Yeah. I'm actually keeping it because I quite, I quite like it. It does look very good. You do actually have a face for a beard. Yeah. It, I, you have a beard as well. I can't grow a beard. I bet, I, you I, think I, you think you can't, right? Mate, mate, but, I, mate. Trust me. Yeah. I, I, I have, I have, I have joinage. Which mm. so there's no there are no more gaps. There used to yeah. be gaps, but um, the, the 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 stubble is just not. It, it, my I, I used to go to a barber before I worked out how to shave my own head properly without, right. without chopping an ear off, and he was a very nice Italian guy called John Natan. Yeah. and I asked John uh, Natan um, if I if it were, if if I did have a stubble for a beard. And he looked at me, and he and he just shook his he shook his wise Italian head and said, uh, "No, right. <laughs> no, Signor, no, Signor Brown, no, mm. no." But, I, the thing, but what happens is, I think you have first of all, do not touch it for a month, right? Uh, you know, 
I just let it come through. And I think the baldy bits get encouragement from the other bits that are growing and then start to... I think this is... Because I I had holes, but they've all filled in. I think it's fascinating the the kind of beard mythology men tell themselves. They kind of come up with faux mythology around... Uh, Nate, you see, this that's that's a that's a crate of beer you owe me now for not turning the sound off. Jesus, you all these man, you've worked in how long have you been working in advertising and media? Yeah. These are the things you know about. Have you never been on a shoot? Turn yeah. your damn phone off. Yeah, but nobody ever um, yeah, the, the, it was a no caller ID. It's probably one of these uh, you get these things in Australia, it's an automated message where it says, This is the government. You owe us, you know, you, for tax fraud. Please answer this call, or you will be going to prison immediately. It's probably one of those. Please press one for tax fraud. Press <laughs> two. For... <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the mythologies men tell each other, or tell either each other or themselves about a beard growth is quite remarkable. Mm. Kind of like uh, the the other stubble tells the bald bits to get on with it. <laughs> it's like encouragement. It's like, oh look. That that stubbly bit is doing well. Maybe I sh- maybe I do have a chance yeah. of this. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So how have you? Do- I've been quite worried about you. Why? You've been go- you've been going through some. Uh, I've been watching you on Twitter. Yeah, but and uh, it's just that's what I'm always like. Yeah, I know, but they they were in they were shades of Grumpy Scott. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm quite pleased with I'm quite pleased with your your chirpiness. Today, you look very well. You look much better than uh, than the first last one. To be honest, I've I've been staying away from Twitter quite a lot. Uh, Sorry, you staying away from Twitter really and social media in general. Not completely, but I probably reduced my usage by about eighty percent. Especially yeah, through that whole, the whole uh, uh, American uh, election thing. You know, I thought it was funny. It was kind of, it's like American cultural imperialism. You know, I know more about the ins and outs of their government than I do about the country I live in. You know, I couldn't even tell you who the leader of the opposition here is, but I know every minute detail of the American House of Representatives and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there was a there was a lovely um, uh, a tweet somebody posted, kind of like two books, one next to each other, of a huge fat book. How much Europeans know about U- the U.S. election yeah. uh, system, and then there was a, like a very very thin book, which is how much Europeans know about the the EU yeah. election system. And my my wife, my wife. Uh, so we were sat on the sofa watching CNN um, during the election week. It wasn't mm-hmm. election night, it was election week. It was like, mm-hmm. bloody hell, I know every single, I know every single county in, um, mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, very, I, I've, I, uh, I, I, I deleted Facebook and LinkedIn off of my mobile phone back mm-hmm. around, I think it was April or May or something, and I, I've, I've reinstalled them now because I'm feeling <clears throat> feeling a little bit more. Um, I don't know that I can tolerate it again. Mm. There was just too many. It was just too many. Um, 
I'm not sure if we spoke about this in the first past mm. podcast. I don't think we did. I think we focused on what we were supposed to be talking about. Mm. But your book, your magnificent book, if you haven't bought it yet, please do buy it. <laughs> um, uh, but I was I, I became very tired of marketing and advertising people, business mm. people, startup people, mm. entrepreneurs, hustlepreneurs, struggleauts, the whole bouquet of mm. the, kind of the, the, the hoi polloi of LinkedIn suddenly becoming a medical expert. Mm. Um, that was I found that very, 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 very difficult to watch mm. people. It's quite literally spiraling out of control. Mm. Um, I kind uh, of feel like you have to pick a side, though. You know, which kind of goes you, against, you, you, you know, you, you know, normally I like to sort of, you know, stay in the middle, but um, they didn't, they, I, the I whole... didn't feel like I had to pick a side at all, to be fair, Ian. No. Um, I decided to negate the whole thing. Mm. And um, I made, or we made a, I mean, for us, it's a, for, for myself and my wife, it's a, it's a, you know, these things are based on very simple decisions. We, her parents have, are, um, have very serious health conditions. Mm. Um, my, t two of my children have uh, type one diabetes, type mm. one diabetes, which means that we have to be very careful as well. Mm. Um, I haven't seen my, my, um, um, my daughter number daughter two i haven't seen all year right so uh so we're kind of just begging and hoping and praying that you know christmas will, yeah. will happen where, um, do, where do they live so they do they, they don't live in munich then are they somewhere else no 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 they live in uh well they're all grown up women now so right. um, uh, she lives with her boyfriend and in fact they all live with their partners now right. but um but they live in uh in frankfurt and Würzburg, so right. that, that area yeah. So uh, it's getting to see them anyway, because you know you know what it's like with grown up yeah. teenagers. You just have to remind remind yourself what you were like when you were twenty, mm -hmm. twenty one, twenty two, twenty. My oldest is yeah. twenty five, so you know it's like your your fuddy duddy old dad. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I've got to fit him into my calendar as well. But then having all of the the rules and regulations um, around, around what's going on at the moment uh makes makes planning that kind of thing very difficult but um yeah so i i kind of stepped away from um stepped away from all of the arguments and the bickering and the mm -hmm. faux um opinion it was really weird i mean it, it's just it just got kind of like i was waiting for somebody can you remember what it was, there was, used to be this thing on the school uh, play playground at school where uh -huh. somebody said, um, "I'm not in, in the middle of it." To end an argument, one one child would say to the other, "I'm not inviting you to my birthday party, and I don't care if I don't, if I don't get a present." <laughs> that was like the that was like the ultimate kind of has to end an argument mic drop. And I was just waiting for that in the comments section yeah. of of certain yeah. immediate high profile media people. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, but I've, I kind of I'm slowly kind of creeping creeping back on. Um, I've started appearing on, you know, on on the, the Twitter. I stayed on Twitter because uh, mm. I've curated Twitter very very carefully, um, mm. and I love the mute function. So, mm. um, but uh, anyway, so what's this podcast about? <coughs> um, and you're clipping, uh, by the way. 
Am I? All right. I must yeah, be, yeah, I'm, yeah. Too, I'm too close to it. Yeah. See, you can, because you're, this is what happens when you deal with professionals. You can see all this stuff. I have, I have no idea. You know? No, I can hear it. If no. you had headphones on, you could hear it too. You are, I, you know, the thing I like about you most, what? and there are many, many things I like about you, Ian, <laughs> is your complete disregard for the basics. <laughs> <laughs> you are so punk. You are so <laughs> unbelievably punk. It's like, Marcus, I'm going to turn the computer on and I'm going to press record. And what, I'm not even going to edit it. What comes out the other end is what we've got. <laughs> That's very yeah. punk, and I love yeah. it. Well, that, that's what I normally like to do. You're clipping. Any... You're clipping. Get away from the microphone or turn down the... <laughs> How do I... Right, hang on. There must be... Is it clipping now, or am I all right now? I'll stay no, this distance. It's fine. There's, there, I... you know, there, are certain, there are certain rules of using a microphone. So if you get really close to the microphone, then you go a little quieter, because that's yeah. how you do it. You're whispering <laughs> in people's ears. And if you want to get a bit louder, then you go back away. But you don't do that. You grab it like a fucking punk, yeah. punk rock star and scream down there. So what's this podcast about that your viewers, your hearers, your listeners are dying to know? Uh, I don't know. This is um, The good thing is, with, when, with other people, you know, they kind of want an agenda and, and stuff, and they want to know what questions we ask. But <clears throat> I, I feel like we don't need that. Yeah, and we can just go ahead. But for the benefit of the listeners, I did say beforehand, uh, I did ask you if there was some things uh, you want to discuss. What you didn't mention um, was, because uh, when I was trying to get a hold of you, and, and you were in Finland, and what and doing something quite big up there I've, I've been i've been doing i've been involved in this year has been a mental year for me mm. for many many different reasons um i've been involved in three very very large and it's not over yet actually four now yeah. four very large virtual or hybrid um productions mm -hmm. Um, it's and I've I I think we've all learned, I think everybody's learned a lot this yeah. year about yeah. themselves and about their own work practice and about their how how their own resilience or lack thereof. Um, but the 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 I've I've been in I was in Helsinki I was supposed to be in Helsinki last week but I um but I took what I think to be the responsible decision. Um, to stay at home right. and uh, although I wrote the script for the event I was involved in the, in the concept uh, I did the speaker and camera training for the protagonist in it via um, via a live stream there was a, a tweet I sent that if you have a look at my uh, Twitter from last week you'll see there's right. a photograph of me from this studio that I'm in now speaker training the people in the studio in Helsinki that is, right. so that's uh, something that I would have said at the beginning of the year no I have to physically be there right. that's not true anymore right. because uh, if we're doing it all virtually and I'm trying training people to how to use the camera um, it's, it's the dog just come in yeah. <laughs> well, it came in and went out took one look yeah. well, so I'm, I'm not interested in that so uh yeah so um I, i've realized that it's possible to do quite a lot of stuff um uh from from the room i'm sitting in now yeah. i've invested quite a lot of time and money into making this room 
um, good for yeah. virtual business. So that that's been interesting. Yeah, but you, yeah, had to cut, I've, I've, there was that, there was the Helsinki stuff. Um, so you've even, you've even got, I can see behind you, you've even got speakery branded things there behind you. What's, what is that? Well, that was a time, this was all ordered. There, a lot of the stuff that's actually standing around here was um, social. One of the re weird things about these platforms that we use is the memories function. Right. Um, and last week, I was, people started congratulating me on LinkedIn for one year of speakery. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hang on a minute, I can't, what? That can't, can't, can't possibly be true. So a year ago, beginning, end of October, beginning of November, I launched Speakery as a service. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing around Speakery as a service was, you know, I had this, I had access to kind of, or I have had access to uh, theater spaces, cinemas, um, mm -hmm. where I could get, you know, business people, senior management CEOs into the space and train them mm -hmm. how to give awesome performances at conferences mm. that's all physical stuff mm. and a lot of the people that were asking me to to kind of help them with their speaking would say um i can't take a whole day but can you come into the office for like an afternoon and then i say yeah of course and then i'd get into the room and it would be like it would be a conference room mm. and they would never have um a podium right um so i started so the thing this little for your listeners i have a oh. i have kind of like a, a a podium thing that you can buy from an online printer and printing service it's the kind of drum that you would see at, um an expo or something where a startup oh, is trying okay. to sell you a service so um yeah so that that i i bought that i had that made so that i when i would go to the conference uh, to the conference room i'd mm. have a podium so that they could stand at the podium and i can tell them how to use the podium mm. properly mm -hmm. the day after this thing was delivered we went into lockdown <laughs> so um it's never it's never been used it's it's yeah. just um it's i actually use it as storage space so my camera bags are in there okay so it's 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 just yeah. uh, right. uh it's it's just a prop right really but, but i guess yeah, I've, I've been yeah. i was gonna say you know eventually when people do go back into rooms then uh you know but even if you're training them like this then you can still you can still do it it's the equivalent of like the rod stewart sort of mic stand isn't it there's a way of, of using it yeah. yeah very much i mean the the there's a the, uh, the whole thing about when this is all over and we go back to normal is a really interesting discussion because I don't mm. think, I think that there are, um, I mean, we, we've known each other for a while and, and you know how my mind works. So, mm. um, I've kind of seen, I've seen the future and the future is beautifully blended. Mm. I don't think we will go back. There will be a, a, a peak of euphoria where people will kind of, I don't know if you like the end of the uh, um, end of Return of the Jedi with fireworks and 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 a celebration, but um, after about a month, I think the, the the head of procurement, the directors of procurement, and chief financial officers will be walking around with uh, 
spreadsheet saying, right, you know, we didn't actually save a shitload of money. Mm. So if you don't mind just not going to these conferences anymore, and we're not giving you a budget for that expo, and um, uh, please stay at home. Mm. So I think we're, I think there's going to be a mix of, mm. and I think people are really starting to kind of like get into, um, get into certain aspects of it. I think that there's a very mm. strong argument for, and Nick Bloom, the uh, professor Nick Bloom of Stanford, um, did a, a, a big thing, a big a, a talk at the the EFO, the Center of Economic Studies, Munich lectures this year around his research into working from home, and it would appear that you know, there is a definite case for two days a week from working from home. Mm people really would love to do that. They mm. don't want to be at home all of the time or mm. not everybody wants to do that all of the time. Um, this, uh, for, I think for self-employed people, it's kind of like, I don't know what the fuss is about because we do it all the time. Mm. Mm. Um, if we're lucky enough to have clients, we do then get out of the office and then go and visit them at their offices. <clears throat> young people, um, and I'm speaking from the context of this is very, this is a German context. Um, you know, if you're stuck in a small single room flat without a balcony in the center mm. of town, um, you know, the office looks great. Mm. Um, so I think it's going to be very, it's going to be blended. And, um, mm. and I think the futures of conferences and festivals and theater mm. and uh, that kind of stuff, which is, mm. you know, something I've been thinking a lot about this year um, uh, will change, mm. adapt. This is all about a adaption, evolution. It's the kind of like the Darwinism of these things. You've seen it all before. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, the stagecraft type stuff, you know, it's applicable doesn't have to be for people talking at big conferences, you know, you can still, people are still going to have to pitch for money or pitch for business. And, you know, surely all that stuff still is applicable, even in smaller settings. Yeah, very much so. I mean, that's, that's, you know, a lot of what I do, um, you know, I've trained quite a few people this year um, for very for really different things. It's like how to host a, a how to host something, how to yeah. host a video series. Mm. Um, how to host a podcast. I need, I need to sign up for that one. <laughs> no, I really, I really don't want you to get regain any kind of skill for this. I think this, <laughs> it would destroy the entire vibe of your podcast. Um, I think, and again, that's, that's one of, one of, the, one of the, the, the things I do when I work with people is to say, I'm not trying to change you. I'm just trying mm. to make you a better version, a better mm. stage version of you, a better camera version of you, a better mm. audio version of you. Um, the, that's what I try to do. It's all about mm. kind of, I always tell people the, the viewer, the audience, the listener, they need 20% more of you than you're prepared to give. Mm. That's not changing who you are. That's kind of just kind of enhance. Is is it's giving a an, a high definition version of yourself. Right. Um, so there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of work I've, I've done around that kind of stuff. And 
you know, the, there is a fundamental difference between working uh, with a stage because you have to be aware of physicality and peripheral vision and working with a live audience, picking audience members out, how to gauge the vibe in the room um, and your own and, and your own and how you can direct it. Mm. So you're, you know, any, I always, I call it's, anything you do on stage as a performance so mm. it doesn't matter if it's a keynote a presentation a pitch mm. and everything is a stage in in in, a, in that physical physical context so a conference room pitching for for venture capital money uh, sitting in a cafe um kind of doing one of those business angely things just pitching ideas those environments can be planned and you can uh, and, and you can learn the skills around that but mm. that's kind of the physicality of theater so that's the context of theater mm. you have a stage you have um you have an all you have a fourth wall you have all of those so you have lights you have cameras you have action whatever um this and what we're doing right now with listeners we're recording this on zoom so ian can actually see me mm. um uh this context has a completely different set of skills which need mm. then to be learned and um, people seem to be really appreciating what they're what, mm. what I'm doing with them. <clears throat> so, so it's been fun, and and it's obviously then influenced working with other people and and trying to figure out how what works best for them has helped influence um, my own work and the planning mm. for the next performance or the next thing, the next endeavor. Trying to understand um kind of just basically the concept of, of you know what what is the future of performance yeah and not and not in the marketing sense you marketing people listening to this i'm actually talking into the sense of actual artistic performance so yeah i mean it's been a very interesting year terrifying yeah. but interesting you know i mean thinking about that you know the future of, of performance it, it's funny um this is sort of slightly disconnected, but um, the, with, the, with the broadband provider that I have, we get this little box, right? And and there's like an Apple TV type thing on it with pay movies, you know? So occasionally at the weekend, I say, oh, let's see what's on the pay movies. But I've noticed, like, over the last two or three months, there's just nothing. And of course, no movies are getting made, you know? No, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it was a real problem. I have a... Um... <clears throat> For the work I do, I've, I've worked with a couple of um, production companies, and and you know one of them is very very clear focus on events, yeah. um, but the the actual the, the televisual production of an event, and the second uh, the second one is a company that actually makes films and television. And they had a, you know, that this year has been a real struggle to get anything whatsoever made. Yeah. Just when you think, um, you know, we got we got really really lucky with uh, with all of the big productions that that we've done this year. Mm. That they were somehow always in a bit which was where it was allowed to do something. Mm. Um, 
But it's not only the fact that the, the films are not being made, they're not being released. Mm. <coughs> I think, yeah. I think the, the, the whole thing around, um, you know, the, the next James Bond film, the fact mm. that they haven't released it, um, <laughs> and the fact that the film is called No Time to Die, is uh, is is really is really interesting um and the fact that the the main uh, the main fury in this house uh, from from the 12 year old boy is he's been waiting a year for king kong versus godzilla and uh, it's not coming out till next year it's not yeah yeah so it's uh, that the whole thing around that has been very interesting but again it's it's like there there are ways around that Um, I'm fortunate enough to now to have to be talking to people who the uh, access to incredible technology is is mm. becoming is becoming easier and the more of these kind of events that you do and um the more um the more experience you get it's very much like a game it's very much like a linear video mm. game where you gain new skills get new powers get access to new people um new technologies new magic um um, but still kind of i don't know maybe it has a lot to do with the with with the subject matter i'm working on at the moment um but still have enough uh, one foot in the kind of very much in the traditional canon of arts practice and and art theory so you know, though you can do incredible things now, yeah. and I'm talking beyond, uh, beyond um, an Elgato green screen. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting stuff. So it, it, I'm I'm dying to sort of see something that gives me the glimpse of the, you know, I've done because I've done a couple. I've actually I I got asked to do something last week, which I turned it down because I I just can't be bothered doing presenting to a crowd that I can't see on zoom you know in this in this office it'd be boring you know i've done like two and i thought well that must have been really boring for the crowd because i I can't see them um you know you can't hear anything you don't know most of my shtick is kind of you know got gags in it but with that if you don't get any response uh it's just uh, well i think i I think you know, there's, there will be, I mean, I'd love to show people what I'm doing, but because it's, um, a lot of it is commercial, um, tied up in uh, ridiculous NDAs. Um, uh, I've just finished something. That's uh, the newfangled way of saying I I would have to kill you if I told you. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, it's very, I've just finished a thing in, um, I just finished a thing which I'd really, really like people to see. Mm. Very, very proud of it. I put everything I had into it and it took me, after the production, it took me over two weeks to recover. I was a physical and emotional wreck after it. I put everything I had into this one thing. Um, and the subject matter was very dear to my heart. And it was one of the working on that project. Uh, there were a lot of artists involved and mm. thinkers and curators involved in that particular project. And it was, and it felt like coming home. Mm. So after kind of like years in the years in the wilderness of, mm. <laughs> of 
the commercial world, being sat in the room full of artists and curators and um, mm -hmm. professors of, of music theory and that kind of stuff again. Mm -hmm. It really did feel like coming home and um, it, it's actually nudged. You know, in the list of things that I wanted, you asked me, what do you want to talk about? It was, mm. I'm think I'm looking at the, looking at galleries and and uh, museums and theatres and uh, kind of the the canon again, and mm. trying to figure out if I should maybe reconsider them as a place to to do things. Mm. Um, I'll tell you what, hold, quite, hold, I was going to say, hold that thought because we are, um, the the new format of this. Uh, of this thing is, you know, sort of desert island discs and things. So I did ask you to uh, to pick five tunes. And what I always do is forget that we're going to have music in it. And then I wait till about half an hour and, and think, oh, shit, you know, we've got to play a tune. Which is exactly what I've done again this time. Yes. But um, so we'll talk about galleries and stuff in a minute. Um, tell us about this Fiona Apple track that you've picked, which is, I think it's from this year's album it's from it? this year's album which one did i pick which one have i given you you have given me because that whole album is so great i actually spent about an hour looking at that album thinking well which one do i which one should yeah. i which one should i should i i, th I think it was uh, it's called heavy balloon heavy balloon that's the one yeah. Yeah, which is probably the best song on the album i why did i pick that one out um i gotta tell you i because i after her like first album, which I think was probably in about '95, which was kind of a little bit sort of grungy, jangly, rocky kind of thing, and that was all I knew. And then when you picked that, I thought, I wonder, wonder what that is. And of course, it's it, it's kind of ethereal, sort of pixie, kind of completely nothing like. Uh, it's just so it angry. Yeah, I oh, think it's so. It angry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I, it's, it's angry and 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 rough, and I love her voice. I'm, yeah. um, um, I used to be a singer before I discovered cigarettes and alcohol, um, and I love singers who have complete control over their over their voice and allow it to break and to and to, uh and to suffer so i've i've always been really interested in singers like uh nick cave who yeah. didn't make it to the list i, I, I was i was gonna put um let love in right. uh, but he, he didn't quite make the chase because or anything from ghosting which has been a massive influence on me this year yeah. Her voice and and Tom Waits is another one that I'm is another singer mm. that I'm uh, very 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 fond of for the fact that he can push his voice in places where mm. you think how on earth can you do that? Fiona Apple is a very very similar singer, and there's something wonderfully. Um, it sounds like she recorded it in a kitchen, mm. and um, and I think that's very very powerful. This has got more to do with the performance than the words. But if you listen to the words, they're pretty cool as well. So play the damn song. People like us, we play with a heavy balloon. We keep it up to keep the devil at bay, but it 
always falls way too soon. People like us, we play with a heavy balloon. We keep it up to keep the devil at bay, but it always falls way too soon. People like us, we play with a heavy balloon. We keep it up to keep the devil at bay, but it always falls way too soon. Yeah, so galleries, so that, that's kind of the, is that, that's the next frontier, I guess, instead of like taking no, sort no, of art, no, not really. art performance into business environments, then and now it's like actually taking it, because uh, you were talking about, oh, you know, bringing it back home, is that... Well, no, well, this project felt like coming home. So the, yeah. the whole thing that, that, that we were asked to kind of, the, I was asked to come in and do it because it was probably, I'm probably the only person in Germany that could, could have done it mm. like, like that, I think, because of the experience that I have and because mm. of my training and because of what I do. So, but I've, you know, I've long had the, 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 stance sorry these these are not dramatic pauses i'm trying to figure out which english yeah. word is the word yeah. is the word that i want to use the german word for um just say the german the, word doesn't halt um, yeah. uh the stance that, that that i had or have is i this it's pointless for me to present these ideas to artists because artists already know that the world is fucked mm. i need to present this to business people and show them that they're fucking up the world so that was always kind of like the content mm. of uh, or, or the artistic idea or the people I wanted to impact with the people with the people who I who I generally believe are messing things up for everybody mm. working with the people uh, working on this particular project and talking to the people they were so fascinated by my approach and so fascinated by the ideas that, that I've been playing around with for years that I realized that maybe I'd been unfair then maybe that maybe that particular community would would be willing to and love hmm. the passing trilogy or at least the process of working so they 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 found it fascinating that i bootstrap my art career with the with the work commercial work around speaker training and developing virtual hmm. formats and stuff they found that fascinating um even the word bootstrapping that they've it's like, oh there's a word for it yeah it's called bootstrapping oh that's mm. really interesting because th their whole process is completely different yeah. the way they finance themselves the way they have to kind of get money from arts councils and 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 be part of projects and and mm. it's it's something that you know i didn't know because i've never done it like that mm. 
So, and there was one particular, um, he's not a gallerist, he's a head of, a, of, a, of an arts institution in, in, uh, in Germany. And he was just like saying, well, why don't you know, just like reconsider, reconsider the space again, mm. reconsider the audience and how you can maybe use it and what you mm. want to do. So that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to start doing exhibitions. Mm. Um, but it has kind of put another kind of layer to to the piece that I'm planning at the moment so there mm. can be physical objects. I mean, the, there have always been physical, physical always that there have been physical objects in the performances mm. in the past. So you have like the Rachel pill boxes mm -hmm. and and the flex books, which you can see behind me, which mm -hmm. is up on the shelf. So, and those are things that I've made, but I've always considered them as props. Mm -hmm. um, I've, the thing I'm working on now, which is a continuation or a build upon the Wicked Pack of Cards, the, the poem that I published at the beginning of the year, it's, but they're, 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 they're becoming kind of in my head, they're becoming things mm. like relics. Um, and ex, ex, like ex, exhibition pieces that might mm -hmm. be found in a museum in 3000 years time. So, so I'm working on completely different timelines now and I'm, and I'm working on completely different ways of how to s separate the stories into maybe different spaces. And, mm. um, um, and it's, it's also void of any, I was writing a column for a, for a magazine here in Germany and it was a co continuation of the black operative story, mm. but it was more of a prologue thing, kind of like mm. how we got to where the, the performances were. Mm. And I stopped writing them and just told the editor, the chief editor that I, I don't want to write dystopian shit anymore. Mm. Um, it just, it just, just you know, when, it feels a bit stupid writing dystopia when you're actually living in the middle of one. Well, well um, that's, uh, you know, because the, it's difficult to out out dystopia the reality <laughs> yeah. yeah it was like it was like <laughs> that's, the, that's the one thing about trump he's kind of just killed a, a sort of whole strand of the satirical sort of comedy thing stone dead because nobody can nobody can you can't him. outdo yeah. that i mean there was there was uh, there were some i didn't predict trump but there were if you if you go back and look at the performances the early ones they always talk about yeah. project orange mm. and <laughs> that was kind of um it, it, yeah i i saw the, the things i'm working on them at the moment are kind of almost timeless i've mm. put them in a it's, it's the star wars trope of in a universe a long long time ago mm. and then it being set like it's like all science fiction -y kind of stuff this mm. is a little different it's very um it's a build on the the, the ideas and a wicked pack of cards you know what would happen if business consultants discover paganism mm. um and then it's a it's a real build on that so there's a lot of green man stuff ideas there's a lot of um norse mythology um there's a kind of i mean the damn thing is called a wicked pack of cards so there's mm. you know, there's that that whole hat tipping to t.s Eliot and madame sososterus and um tarot reading but from the perspective of a business consultant mm. which is which is the, the 
which is the which is the quirkiness of the mm-hmm. of the thing. So the idea is still the same. It's kind of you mm-hmm. still have those business people ruin the world, mm-hmm. um, but the person who's ruining it is a guy with a blank pack of cards, mm-hmm. and you can only see what's on the cards if you truly believe in him. Mm-hmm. So that so that idea has not changed. Um, volume two is. I would have said volume two was finished, but then I changed my mind and decided to make it into a, into a kind of an opus. Mm-hmm. So it's now um, I've 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 got a little bit into uh, the ideas and the mythologies around Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. There was a very funny, actually very funny documentary on Netflix. Uh, the the lodge, the the main lodge in London, let them in. Let a film crew in, and um, well, I and felt it, rule number one of sort of Mason Club was you don't let don't them let in. them in. Don't you don't talk about it. But they decided to let them in to kind of de mm. demystify what goes on there, mm. um, the mundanity of um, of Freemasonry. According to the, I mean, you, you kind of watch this documentary. Mm. And then you kind of think, okay, well, how much of this is just marketing? How much of this is comms? But there's a there's a lot of interesting thinking in there, and there's a lodge. uh, The lodge in Chelsea is the actors actors and performers lodge. Mm. So they they have a, uh, which I found particularly fascinating, that they have Mm. a lodge where only kind of like there are well known musicians in that lodge, Mm. and actors. And they take great pride, uh, Masons from all over the world, to try and get into the, uh, to see the, the reading of the rituals in mm. that particular lodge because they're particularly good and dramatic and interesting. <laughs> and I thought that was, I thought that's like, that's mm. nuts. That's, that's, that's crazy. So all of that kind of stuff has kind of, has been going into this new thing that I'm making. Um, and at the moment, it's it's it's. I discovered a book. By there are lots of people, lots of ex Freemasons who kind of try and debunk the whole Freemasonry thing. Hmm. And then there are books that try to debunk the debunking. Hmm. So what I've tried to do is I've written. I'm trying to do a book. It's a debunk the debunking book. Right. Um, and the performance is it's not going to be one single performance it's kind of Mm. like a it's a a very similar to to the the notion of having now when I started doing the black operatives department stuff I didn't Mm. think oh I'm going to do a trilogy Mm. Um, now it's with the experience that I've had with doing the work on black operatives uh, I now know that I can how I want to tell specific kinds of stories, and because I'm basing certain characters on certain practices and certain people, so the the main character, the 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 head, the the first card master, Joseph of Blasphemous, um, he based himself. Uh, or Joseph Boyce. Mm. So everything that Joseph Blasphemous does is uh, <laughs> is is a uh, is for for an artist, 
specifically for a particular kind of artist is a blasphemy of what Joseph Boyce was doing. So I'm planning to do, um, so Boyce was famous for his uh, teaching as an art form. Mm. Um, of course, consultancy is an art form. Mm. Boyce has had his blackboards, but Joseph Blasphemous doesn't have blackboards. He has flip charts. <laughs> so, uh, so you have that kind of stuff. Um, okay. And 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 I'll be and I'm looking at kind of like some of the performances that, uh, or the art the art world has this annoying habit of calling things interventions. Mm. This is an intervention about mm. instead of saying this is about this is an <laughs> intervention about so it's, um so i'm looking at some of his interventions and, and ideas and you know and the people so i'm looking at the people who influenced him this is another way that i kind of approach things so voice was very influenced by uh, rudolf steiner and the whole kind of like social organism thing and mm. bees and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I'm looking at that and thinking, okay, well, what would Joseph Blasphemous do with all of that? Mm. Um, uh, Goethe, uh, Boyce was asked once, you know, how, what is art? Which is, there's, he's asked that a lot. And the older Boyce got, you can see him kind of, he, his whole body kind of like, spasms a little bit when somebody asks him this question as if, as if to say with his entire self i've answered that question a thousand times but then he stoically carries on and answers yeah. in variations of various forms but he likes to f fall back on kind of like goethe's idea of uh is, is trying to understand the physical and the spiritual hmm. which really frustrated a lot of art critics back in the day so i'm playing with those kind of ideas, looking at some of his performances and thinking, okay, well, is there anything I can do with, um, I like America and America likes me. Hmm. Not really. That's not something for me, um, explaining pictures to a dead rabbit. And that's something that I've, I can, I can work with. So <laughs> there is a, there is something that I'm going to be kind of, I like to take things and change them so much that at the end you kind of think, well, yeah, is that, is that, could that be that? And there are certain things that I'm going to be very obvious about. So in this book, this is like a handbook for a card master. Mm. So every year there's a card master and the card master's responsibility is to get, is to ensure the, with the help of the procurement moon, the the passing of another successful financial year <laughs> so so with the mythologies and ideas in this book <laughs> so um uh so at the back of the book and it, so it's there it's in different sections so we have the cards that are in the original little book that i published mm. at the beginning of the year from the Wikipedia cards, and there are 13 cards. So there are 13 poems in, in, mm. in the original book. I've taken them and I've added another 13. So there are 26 cards in total. Mm. There are actually 52, but... I was going to say, you have to get to 52. <laughs> there, are, there are 52, but um, there are 52 and four songs. Right. Um, and the in the the next project when and i'm hoping it's going to be finished by maybe march next year mm. there will be um 
what it's it's called in the book the original first cut and shuffle hmm. so that's the original first cut and shuffle from joseph blasphemous and that was the original you know, the, the, the guiding in of the of, of the new financial year all of the mysteries and the arguments and the bunking and bunking and debunking of the debunking of the debunking will be explained in the rest of the book and there are rituals so mm. there is a ritual there is a there's kind of a rite of um uh uh what do you call it um passing. there are things passing there's a rite of passing um that uh, an, a, a a new card master and it's every year it's a different card master because mm. every card master has their own flavor of procurement. Um, mm. <laughs> it's just so silly, but it's fun. So there, and there are a set of rituals. So there are 31 rituals. So mm. it, it, the 31 days leading up to the procurement moon, mm. um, there are certain, there are 31 things that the cardmaster needs to do. Mm. And one of them is based on explaining pictures to a dead rabbit. Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, and a lot of a, a lot of that is it. So there's a lot of bookmaking involved. Mm. There's a lot of writing involved. There's a lot of filmmaking. There's a huge amount of filmmaking involved mm. in in the next project. And I've basically um, I'll be producing the next performance. Which has a completely different name throughout the the course of next year because I want to have it. I want to have all four seasons in the thing. Right. Okay. So there there will be little kind of like mini performances that will probably be virtual, mm. um, almost like online webinar seminars as art teaching as art. Mm. But with Joseph Blasphemous, so there'll be those mm. kind of those kinds of things are the things I'm thinking about. Um, there'll be a lot more making, so I'll be making artifacts and objects, and, mm. and um, there's draw. I've started drawing again, so mm -hmm. um, uh, so the book will probably be illustrated as well. But I've not. Mm. I've, I really like the fact that there weren't any pictures in 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 the little book I published at the beginning mm. of the year. So, mm. do you know what, Ian? Yeah, I think it's time for another song. Okay, well, we've got Public Image Limited. Mm. Now, I, now, didn't, now, I didn't know this one, I, I don't really know that album to be honest. And then, uh, yeah, so it's kind of um, it's from the sort of convention, more sort of conventionally arranged tunes period of rotten isn't it yeah i i picked i picked this um because for a couple of reasons it's um i was listening to this album a lot when i moved i actually had this on a cassette hmm. um and i was listening to this a lot when i first moved to my in my first stint in germany hmm. so i was listening to listening to this uh 90 it was the summer of 92 and I was still mm. deciding about if I was going to finish, go back to England and finish my degree or just stay in Germany. Mm. And there was loads and loads of lovely songs on this album. It's very, it's, it's, it's very a typical kind of early nineties production. 
it's, it could have almost been done by ZTT, Trevor mm. Horn. Mm-hmm. Um, the guitars on it are great. Mm. Um, I am always be uh, John Lydon is one of my favorite singers. He's not one of my favorite people. I have to I have to admit, mm. but um, he's one of my favorite singers. Um, I've chosen this because of nostalgic reasons. I was listening to this for when at a point where I just cut, where my art thinking clicked. Mm. And I went back after I went back after that summer and did some really, really good work and finished off managed to finish off my degree. Um, but the really interesting thing, and I would ask you to play it out right to the end is uh, how he goes from, um, the way he plays with no future mm. so there's a so there's kind of like a throwback to mm. the sex pistol days but he, instead of no future he he, he sings tunnel vision which mm. then morphs into no future so uh, it's a lovely little song Thank you. 
there's an expectation now in the world through formats like The Voice or um, Pop Idol or any casting show that if you can if you can hear it in your head and you can sing it in the shower, you can sing. Yeah. But if you listen, well, Amy Winehouse, Amy Winehouse without um, singing uh, Rehab, without um, just just the vocals it's just incredible mm-hmm. absolutely incredible mm-hmm. such skill such dexterity such youth as well which is mm-hmm. um kirk cobain uh, singing um um you know, the end of south Mouse like team spirit when he's just screaming a, deni- a denial mm-hmm. um it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it mm-hmm. um, what do you think about whether this is just a symptom of age or whether I, I, I was sitting watching uh, the, the, the something came on the TV on the TV news it had been the MTV Music Awards mm-hmm. whatever uh, and it was like some dude who used to be in One Direction I think had won something and it's almost asked, asked, and I thought like with no redeeming qualities at all and I thought well that's it. I'm now officially old because I just hate modern pop music. You know. For- well, you know, I don't think as uh, you do actually, as a person, have a tendency to be quite binary about these things. <laughs> so you know, if I, I I was trying to have a nuanced, sensible discussion with somebody about uh, the, the the second Borat film, mm. um, and I. I've always been the kind of person that if I if I like something everybody else seems to hate, I will still say I you know mm. I don't know maybe it was just the frame of mind I was in, but I actually quite liked it. it um, you just came in and said that guy's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so you do tend to be quite quite final, quite quite binary about your opinions of these things. Well, it's, the, it's that kind of humour which is basically just taking the piss out of. Uh, it, this is it's a, it's a similar to there's a kind of Australian type of comedy that you get where people just come on and shout swear words loudly, and that's that's the comedy, you know. And, uh, and you, do you mean do you mean that's that's a 50, 50 year old strategic planner <laughs> at a conference? Yeah, well, POV. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> that happens as well. Yeah. Mm. No, I just it's it's that people like Sasha Baron Cohen and the other one I don't like is that is that guy from the it crowd, you know, the IT crowd, you know, with the 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 guy with the glasses and the afro who just stands about with this kind of quizzical look on his face, being perpetually amused by everything. Well these I mean you're just talking about people that that, you know, if you were back home yeah. in Glasgow <laughs> You know, they'd get a Glasgow, a Glasgow stitch. Uh, yeah, somebody would yeah. just, you know, just bow oh, yeah. at one. Yeah, they wouldn't last okay. five minutes. Yeah. But I, you see, I think <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I like to come to things late. Yeah. Although I have started due to kind of uh, the availability of fantastic things on on Netflix and Amazon yeah. or whatever, I do now tend to kind of like watch things like The Queen's Gambit, which we finished watching last night, mm. which we thoroughly enjoyed. It was it, it was a wonderful piece of 
um I mean, if you know anything about storytelling, it wasn't, and there were no surprises in it, but it was, it was just beautifully, beautifully done, wonderfully told, and the acting is just amazing. Mm. What I particularly liked was um, that it, it was a very, very feminine thing, right. and it was done in a way that that wasn't kind of like pseudo. Look at this powerful woman. It was done very, very. It was like she, you just felt her power and her strength right. and her. And, and how fragile she was, but still kind of strong. It was, it was a wonderful thing, great thing. Um, but I do tend to like to come to things late yeah. and avoid uh, the, um, the hype. So I saw, uh, I, I, I think for Reservoir Dogs, I saw three years after watching Pulp Fiction, which I watched a year after it came out. Right. So I do tend to kind of like spend my time on, on these things. And I've never really spent, I knew about Ali G. I knew that there was this Borat character. I do like watching him talk about his work. I think he is an incredibly oh. intelligent man. And I like the way he talks about the process of making his stuff. Borat 2 was the first thing that I've watched of his all the way through, not just right. like a clip somewhere on, on, right. on YouTube. And what I found very, I didn't find it, it, I didn't think that it was comedy. I didn't think it was comedy acting. Hmm. I thought it had more to do with a flux performance than anything else. Hmm. I think it had a very, very clear and frightening message. All of those stuff that was there, but the thing that really caught me was the, the acting of the daughter and the story that he created around the relationship between the father and the daughter was very, 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 very moving and incredibly well told and, and acted and done. So I don't really necessarily look at it and think, okay, well, this is kind of like a hidden camera stuff, although that was obviously it. Those are the tools that he's decided to use to tell specific stories that he wants to tell and as a maker myself i kind of i have to respect that i think that's that's incredible mm. there's a thing there's like an actor's table thing with him where he's in a discussion with uh jim carrey is in it there's like loads of um the fonts the uh, henry winkler is, mm. is in it it's like there's loads of comedic actors there and there's him mm. And they were listening to him talking about the process of making the thing. So mm -hmm. that he would have to kind of, how to kind of trick an entire squad of Secret Service, mm. America, US Secret Service, or Mossad, or uh, all this kind of stuff, and how mm. to work out how to do things. And then how to get the makeup on in the toilet, and then stand, spending four hours, he spent four hours in the toilet, to do the stunt with uh, Mike Pence, where he walked in dressed mm -hmm. up as made up as a as Donald Trump, and the actors and the, and we're talking about you know, like serious, rinse, famous mm. actors that are very very good at their craft, and they would just look at him, astounded, and say, "I struggle with just getting into character." And you have to deal with all of that as part of the process. Mm. So that's kind of, I kind of look at it. I think it's, that's kind of like the, 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 the maker's uh, curse. I mm. think you can't, it's impossible to just, it's impossible for me now to kind of 
I can't watch film or or theater or 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 a performance or anything really without kind of looking picking apart how how it's been made or how mm. they've told the story and what kind of hooks yeah. they're using and the triggers and Mm. so uh, i tend to look at these things slightly slightly differently to come back to your initial thing about is it an old man thing uh, i think it's a mix of um yes it's an old man thing but i think it's diff i think it's difficult for everybody nowadays to find um access to the new cool shit mm. When we were kids, Ian, it was just like, I think I saw on Twitter, you were talking about, uh, you kind of save up your newspaper money and go down mm. the shop and, and flick through all the albums. And you can still smell the, the you can smell mm. the albums and the plastic sleeves, can't you? Mm -hmm. When you're flicking through to pick them out and buy, mm. you know, whatever. For me, I saved up on my uh, choir boy money mm. to, do, <laughs> to do the same thing. The first record I bought was... Um, like clockwork from the Boomtown Rat yeah. Rats after uh, three weddings on a row on a Saturday, yeah. that got me that got me enough money to go down the yeah. record shop and buy a record. But we had Top of the Pops, and we had NME, we had you know Music Press, we had Q Magazine, we had all of the things that we had while we were students and growing up, and we knew what was cool. Yeah. Uh, we don't have that anymore, and it's not yeah. because we're old; it's because like. If you turn on if you turn on the radio you're probably not turning on the radio you're asking a box in the corner with a name to do it for you mm. to, to and they play music which kind of all sounds a bit the same mm. um, and then when you go on to spotify you kind of if you kind of press the discover button it all sounds somehow the same Mm -hmm. I've tried to make a conscious decision to um, discover new stuff. So the Fiona Apple mm -hmm. thing, I discovered that album first before the first album. Mm -hmm. But it's kind um, of discovering new old stuff, isn't it? Because, yeah. yeah, but I think that, that which kind of leads us up to the next song. See what I'm doing here? I'm really yeah. good. I'm helping you with this. Um, uh, the the taylor swift uh, yeah. that i've picked out for you i've picked out for a number of reasons i saw the netflix documentary i think it was the end of last year or the beginning of this year um never really took it seriously watched a documentary wasn't still not particular fan of her music but incredible fascinated by her work ethic mm. and her love of music mm. But then that really won me over. Mm. Then she released Folklore. Then I had to listen to it, and uh, and it left me a, a. I was listened. I went for a walk. I was walked to the doctors to have my finger put up my bum to make sure my prostate is still in or still okay. Mm. And um, I listened to it on the way there. Um, and I turned up at the doctors and was just a a weeping wreck because I found mm. it so incredibly touching what she'd written there. The song I've chosen for. For, for you it's got more to do with the line in it that says just because it's something like just because they say just because we're young we know nothing mm. and it's such a wonderful line for somebody of her age to write and i've always found this really interesting how could somebody at the age of Kurt Cobain back when he was i don't know how old he was when he wrote 
um, those the heart shaped box mm. is is an incredible piece of writing. How can somebody that young write a song like that? I've always found that really fascinating. I think I think now at the age of forty nine, I might be able to write heart shaped box. Mm. Um, how and I find it fascinating that that, that somebody as uh, somebody as young as as Taylor Swift can write something as mature as as folklore, mm. but at, I would have said at the age of nineteen, twenty, twenty one, to somebody my age now of forty nine, fifty, look, just because I'm young, it doesn't mean I I don't know anything. I know mm. a lot. I know lots mm. of stuff. But I know I now know at the age of fifty kids you haven't got a fucking clue vintage tea brand new phone high heels on cobblestones when you are young they assume you know nothing sequence smile black lipstick sensual politics That's a lovely song. So I think we've only got one song left, haven't we? Or have we got two? What have we got left? We've, we've got two left. Um, okay. So what are the ones that are left? Yeah. <laughs> we've just played them both now. We've got Metallica. I've got, I've got to tell you, it's something... You know, people have gaps in their cultural knowledge. You were talking about that before, about being late to things, because I... Um, I remember, like the Sopranos, for instance. So I only uh, I remember when the final episode uh, came on Channel Four or something. I was still in the UK, and I thought, oh yeah, uh, I'll need to watch that. I tell you what, I'll, I'll I'll wait, and then once it's finished, I'll go to the start and watch one. So I completely missed like seven seasons of it, and then watched it. But Metallica is something is a, has passed me by from a cultural. Point of view because I, I thought they were some kind of death metal thing and then they played the track and of course it's not it's kind of melodic and stuff so yeah well the the, the version i've sent you is from the snm says so the mm. with the with the 
was it San Francisco Philharmonic or whatever it was? Oh, is that? Oh, right. Okay. There we go. So this is uh, from 2000. And I was very, very much like you thought uh, heavy metal was a bit, I don't know, or death metal or whatever. Mm. And um, a, a, somebody that I was working with um, came in with, with that album and it blew me away. Right. And it's because of his singing. Right. As a, there's something very there's something very epic about that particular live recording because you mm. have this huge or orchestra kind mm. of supporting them and trying to keep Lars Ulrich the drummer intact, which they failed to do. Mm. <laughs> there was a lot of post production done on him apparently. Mm. Anyway, um but it's the singing. It really is the singing. I I'm I think that James has it is actually my favorite singer mm. um and that really surprised everybody i wrote that somewhere a couple of well, a couple of months ago on twitter i said and my wife is really crossed for me so what even more than because i you know that I, I i that there are singers that i absolutely adore george michael i think is just a oh he's gorgeous voice Bowie was an amazing performer. Freddie Mercury, obviously, just incredible, incredible voice. Amy Winehouse, um, um, Tori Amos is another singer that I, I just can't <laughs> stop listening to, just because of the way she sings. Not necessarily the songs, but James. And mm. this song is so... It's almost like the way he sings this song is almost like a foreboding for what would then happen to him. Mm. It's like you can almost feel the 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 pain and the internal struggle and the 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 fragility of of kind of where he was emotionally and mentally at at the time. Mm. I, I have I I started I started running a year ago and I've I've I need to start again. I'm going for when I finish this, I'm going for a run. Mm. Um, and I made the mistake of listening to this, and this song kicked in just before I got my very first runner's high, and I was. <laughs> I was a, I was an emotional wreck. I was in mm. tears because there's a bit where it comes back in again, um, which is so incredibly powerful. So that's why I've chosen this. There's no there's no kind of great story behind it. Mm. I've just chosen this song because it's my probably my favourite piece of singing mm. ever. So for for a sort of. Uh, uh, novice like you would recommend this live album as a introduction to metallica yeah i don't know i don't think i'm qualified to talk about i think there are better it, i think there are people like will humphreys who could probably write mm. a, um, a phd mm. <laughs> about about um uh, about it i know that you know we have friends and colleagues that actually work with them. Yeah, so, so I understand that was uh, yeah. I just found uh, which that is out. A, which, which is, is a bit weird. 
Um, but I would, um, I found this, this was the first album that I, I probably, probably listened to. And I've gone back and listened to, there are some, there are a number of songs on, uh, on, on this double album track, a double album, uh, that, which I'm particularly fond of, uh, No Leaf Clover is again, another piece of incredible singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back to listen to the original tracks on the original albums and I, it was like, oh, that's a bit, oh dear. Mm. Yeah, it's better with the because uh, <laughs> it's everything is everything is always better with the Philharmonic Orchestra. Mm. Hey! 
and then the Atterbury Morris men, which oh, I that's which I didn't know much about. So that is very peculiar. <laughs> it's a okay. So let's start. So okay, we go from folklore. Yeah. Um, and then we can get into. You just ask me why I put that on the list. Yeah. Why did you put that on the list? <laughs> <laughs> I, d I kind of, I thought that, you know, I suspected, you know, with five, I thought I'll get one sort of, uh, uh, you know, straight out of left field, and then there it was, you know. <laughs> well, I think, I think I've always found it very interesting when you see these kind of uh, mm. desert island discs, or uh, there's normally some kind of social meme, particularly mm. kind of like, you know, you know the, the, the planosphere. I, I'm, I'm presuming that most of the people listening to this are, will be coming from the marketing and advertising yeah. industry. Um, probably with a more focus on the strategic planner gang um, than than the art than the than the art gang. Um, everybody tries to be really fucking clever with their music. Hmm. So look at me. This is, I can remember the first time that I, I listened to New Order. And I had blue vinyl version. It was very very important to me. It's all kind of like Jesus Christ, lighten up a little bit. Hmm. Um, and I was going to, and every time I want to do something like that, every time I want to be clever, I then come in and say, and then do something else. So I initially wanted to put some Eric Satie mm. on the list because I'm a big fan. Mm. Um, my, I, I, I would love to tell you that I had a music teacher who, and, and kind of come up with some kind of goodwill hunting story around my how this music mm. teacher gave me access to Eric Satie. Uh, it's not, it, I, I fell in love with Eric Satie because of the film being there. Mm. Uh, um, Peter Sellers. Gardner, mm. Peter Sellers. So, mm. but no, I didn't. Um, I, uh, so I thought, well, what can I get on the list that will give some your listeners access to maybe something, uh, something different, something that they kind of, think is ridiculous um, well, it's or, not, or not you know, important so for, for you that's not completely you know but the whole sort of morris dancing thing i used to live in hampshire you know in the little sort of small town in hampshire you know and in the in the um sort of town square you know every saturday the morris dancing they'd have competitions you know because like different teams would come from all over and everything yeah, it's so, highly sort so. of ritualized uh, colors are very important. Um, you know, each each area seemed to have its own little kind of quirks of how they performed certain things. And so it's kind of, you know, that ritual, because we were talking about ritual earlier on. So, mm. um, well, Morris, I mean, there, there, there's a, a very specific reason why I've, I've, I've chosen the Adderbury Morris mm. dancers. Um, it's because I have... I know them. Oh. Um, the uh, my best man, Mr. Timothy Plaster, the actor and filmmaker, uh, made a full-length documentary about uh, about the Adderbury Morris dancers because his dad was an Adderbury Morris dancer, and his uncle uh, revived the Morris dancing in Adderbury and in partly in Britain. Um, in the in the in the sixties, when it wasn't cool to be a Morris dancer. I mean, you could argue it's never cool to be a Morris dancer. I'd argue against that. But you know me, I'm a cantankerous old mm. uh, bastard. 
Um, and um, he made a full-length uh, award-winning documentary film called The Way of the Morris mm. about his dad and about his family and about the why, all of the, pretty much every, all of the Morris, Morris dancing died in Adderbury because all of the Morris dancers died in the First World War. Mm. Except for one, I think. Um, um, and uh, they found the Book of Song and uh and the dance steps and the, the the banging of the sticks and the all of the stuff with the baldricks and the bells and the morris dancing is deeply deeply uh ritualistic um you know the handkerchiefs are there to get rid of evil spirits and devils mm -hmm. and sticking banging sticks is to scare them away and um the handkerchiefs are there to confuse the confuse them mm -hmm. um the blacking of the faces has got nothing to do with trying to, to to look like black people. It was to do with um, disguising yourself from your employer uh, while you were dancing. Mm -hmm. It was it was it was it was a disguise and has nothing to do with anything mm -hmm. else than that. Mm -hmm. um, so you have all of these things, and um, uh, because you know he's he's my best mate and I love him dearly, and I fell in love with the film because it's very personal and. I don't want to spoil mm. it, but it's definitely worth a watch. The mm. Way of the Morris, Tim Plester, Rob yeah. Curry. Um, and um, I've actually been to the Adderbury Day of Dance um, on a number of occasions with mm. my wife as well. So we've we've actually been mm. there to to be part of it and 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 watch it and enjoy it. And uh, the Day of Dance starts off. Yeah, to tell you something now, and if you can remember right at the back, back to the beginning of the podcast, me talking about uh, Joseph Boyd, hmm. the day that the Adbury Day of Dance starts off at the um, at the grave of uh, Charlie, one of the hmm. one of the dead uh, Morris dancers, and they read a prayer and sing him a song, and then they pour him a bottle of beer on his grave so he has a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the day starts and then they go off around stations around around Adderbury dance in front of John Craven's house it's really weird it's just it's just like the weirdest English thing you could possibly imagine mm. um, uh, and I kind of fell in love with the um, I don't know how to describe it it's, it's kind of the it's folk law mm. and um there's a joyousness about it there's, it's not cynical yeah. it's like everything i'm not so it's not mm. cynical it's not sarcastic it's um I'd, i always thought because because exactly of that you know because it seemed you know i just thought there must be some deep mystery in there that uh you know that this is all a smokescreen to, you know, to, or not a smokescreen, but you know, uh, the the performative nature hides something far more um, sinister. Uh, well, <laughs> well, I think you see, this is a, again, this is something that that um, yeah, you mean really like in, in in the Hammer horror type films, right? This Wick, sort of, Wicker so, Man. Yeah, after what but, you're after is the Wicker Man kind of a kind the, of you know the sort of whoever it is the the protagonist in the movie somehow you know wakes up in the middle of the night and wanders out into the graveyard and there's all the sort of elders of the town you know with goats head masks and stuff like that it's that kind of uh, 
Yeah, but the I think that's that's kind of like the narrative narratives that we, you know, that's why up until this year, uh, dystopian novels work so well. Mm-hmm. It's like we like to feed into that kind of notion that there is. Now that's why QAnon is working so well because it feeds mm-hmm. into into that kind of imagination that we that that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you if you look around at all of these kind of English fundamentally english southern english as well mm. english um green man pagan days mm. so you have uh you have kind of like the the hobby horse down in um oh what's the name of the place there's a place that just erupts into a day of color and dancing around mm. there's a hobby horse and if and if a and if you go, if a if a if a if a woman, an unmarried woman, gets touched by the hobby horse, she'll be married. And if it goes, she goes under the skirt of the hobby horse, then she'll be pregnant within a year. And it's kind of all this kind of stuff. And Ottery St. Mary um, with the burning tar barrels in in October. I mean, it's all kind of fertility and please, dear God, let the or gods, please, or green mm. man, please let the sun come up again tomorrow. But there's a fundamental thing that flows for all of this stuff is it's drinking loads of beer together. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, even even uh, Midsummer Murders tried to kind of get us. There, there was a story in in, uh, in the Midsummer Murders with Inspector Barnaby where there were two two villages separated by a field and uh, this evil evil landlord wanted to kind of you know there was a, a very old uh, tradition where the men would put on antlers and go to the other village to impregnate uh, the women because to, mm. to, to avoid incest and stuff <laughs> and this so, and it's like you look at it and you think you know well the Adderbury Day of Dance everybody just kind of sings some songs and gets a little bit tipsy and bangs the sticks and rings mm. the bells and puts the baldricks on mm. and confuses some bad spirits mm-hmm. and that's and that literally is it so that's one of the reasons why uh, i decided to choose this song which i believe is called the happy man how happy is that man that's free from all care who loves to make merry? Who loves to make merry? Or a drop of good beer?
Okay. Well, is that interesting? Yes, very interesting. I'm only the the reason I don't because we're recording this video. I don't want to go longer an hour and a half because I think my computer will melt trying to render the uh, hour and a half of, of video. That's it. <laughs> is another testament. You really need. You really, really need. There are there are there are better simpler podcast yeah. platforms that you could use if yeah. only you were able to use Google. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, right. my friend. Well, you have a fantastic beard. It was lovely to see you. Uh, you too. Thank you very much again. And, uh, thank you. Thank you for I'll, asking me back again. Uh, Sorry. Right. I'll edit this around and I'll I'll send it to you before I put it up just to make sure. No, you can put it up. No, you put it up. Just put it up. Yeah. All right. There's nothing I've said on that I wouldn't say again. So All right. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, brilliant. Well, enjoy your bye. run and the rest Take of the day. Take care. All right. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.